to So What's the Problem, the podcast in which we rewatch movies from our youth to determine if they're problematic by today's standards. I'm Jimmy. And I'm Jen. Today we'll be discussing Bugsy Malone, which was released in the UK on July 22nd, 1976, the US on September 1st, 1976, and Ireland December 17th, 1976. It was written and directed by Alan Parker and stars Scott Bale, uh, Flory Duggar, John Cassisi, Martin Lev, and Jodie Foster. Yes, indeed. Um, what's going to happen is this, Jen and I have thought of three problems that this movie has for each, and also a positive, and we're just going to have a little chat about it. So, Jen, you hadn't seen this before, is that correct? I knew absolutely nothing about it. <laughs> yes. We discussed this last week. You didn't even know it was a musical. Well, and I felt weird about the fact that I didn't know it, because I'd heard of the movie, and I was like, how did I not know anything? Although I think I also got it confused with Bugsy. Um, <laughs> but I was like, how did I not know about this? And then I realized, oh, it's not popular in the US. Like, we don't even have a DVD. Yeah. So yeah, it's, and, it's little known in, in your part of the woods. And it wasn't really shown in theaters except as like the second part of a double feature with Bad News Bears. So it's no wonder I didn't know about it because it's not a thing here. Yeah. They published like the script um, back in the 80s. And in English class, we had to read it. So that's where I first learned of Bugs and Alone. I think I maybe saw it on TV um, before that, but I hadn't really, you know, thought about it. But then in English class, we had to read it out. Um, I was knuckled. Um, <laughs> and it was fun. And then after that, I wanted to buy... The, the VHS, but we didn't have a VHS player at that point in time. So I just had to wait to come back on TV mm. and watch it. And then eventually it came out on uh, DVD and I had that. So yeah, I loved this movie as a kid. I didn't even watch any of the movies that it's homaging. Um, I didn't really, I didn't watch all the sort of gangster movies of old. Mm-hmm. But I just like the fact that all of these actors were children. I think that's what tickled my fancy. Um, yeah, I saw that it was. It's like the most shown movie in schools in the UK. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's crazy just how I think it's because it's really inoffensive. Yeah, I mean it's rated U here and G in the US. There's nothing really in it. Um, so so I went to Common Sense Media. Are you familiar? Yes. Okay. And uh, can I just read you what it says here? Yes, of course. Parents need to know that while all the violence here involves cream pies and cream-loaded splurge guns, there's still menace behind it. And the characters do die of their cream-filled wounds. There are cream massacres and cream pie hits. There's also a great deal of sexualization of tween girls, with young girls saying they watch their figures and dancing suggestively. Jodie Foster's character sings about how the men in the audience don't have to be lonely. I just, I just thought it was an interesting little review from some, some Christians. I did think about that. I did think, as an adult, I watched it and I was thinking, right, is Tallulah overly sexualized? Mm-hmm. Not compared to Taxi I, Driver. Exactly. <laughs> Taxi Driver was the same year okay, as this. Okay, I want to talk about that. So I'm watching this movie and I'm trying to figure out, I'm like, I don't know where this lands with like Freaky Friday and Taxi Driver. And I look it up. They were all the same year. 
Yeah. That is insane. These are three wildly different movies. And they were all the same year. That is insane. Like her first three movies she's kind of known for. Mm-hmm. that's weird. Like I told my husband and he freaked out. Cause like this was the same year as well, not even this, the fact that freaky Friday and taxi driver were the same year. Yeah. Can I read you a quote that the director said about her? Yeah. He said, I sat on my own suitcase at my side in the shabby screening room with its threadbare carpets replete with Daryl F. Zunick's cigar burns and the moldy leather armchairs that smelled of fish. The film was Echoes of a Summer, and the young actress in question was Jodie Foster. I subsequently met with Jodie in my publicist's office. Affable and articulate, the 12-year-old Jodie was wise beyond her years. Jodie was impeccable and extremely set-savvy. I think she directed me as much as I directed her. She was extremely knowledgeable of the filmmaking process. She could have complicated technical conversations with the camera crew and script supervisor that were beyond her years. Even then, when she was 12, I joked that if I got sick, she could take over. So, you know, she became a director, and it's, like, clear that she was on that path from a very young age. Yeah. I mean, she she acts everyone else off the screen Mm -hmm. in this movie. Yeah, reading about the casting process was really interesting, like, that Scott Baio like through the slammed his hand on the table through the script at them and walked out and like that's why he got the role um yeah and the original actress who played blousy by the time they filmed was too tall and that's hilarious to me like just thinking about you know when you have this cast of kids of course like some of them are going to go through puberty while you're yeah dealing exactly with it. um i don't know i i did more research than i usually do on this movie because i was very interested in what the hell was going on here <laughs> It's fascinating. Yeah. It's fascinating how it was, you know, just the fact that it was made in the first place is just, it's not baffling because, I mean, it's a great idea. Mm-hmm. Why not? Why not have a gangster movie with kids acting in it? I mean, it's, there's no rule book saying that you shouldn't. Yeah. So why the hell not? Um, but yeah, it's still a bit. And then it's a mixture of American and British kids. Mm-hmm. Because it was filmed in the UK. So there is some kids in here that went on to carry on uh, acting in British TV, which is interesting. It was it was cute reading about how much fun they had filming the movie as kids and that like if there was downtime, the kids would be in the cars peddling away. Um, mm-hmm. It was I've, I had more fun doing research for this than I have in the past when we did research. So what did you think of the movie though? Um, I liked it okay. Um, yeah, it's I didn't know what to expect, and it was. I mean, we'll get. In, I was gonna complain about something, but I realized we'll get into my problems later. But um, okay, right. Yeah, I, it was weird, which I liked. So, mm-hmm. um, and I also recognized that this could not be made today, not in the same way. Like the seventies were crazy, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just they made it at the right time to make a child gangster movie. Yeah. No, it was a perfect time for that. Before we get into problems, I'll just say the reason we're doing this is because um, as, as we're recording this, it's my birthday tomorrow. Happy birthday. The 11th. Thank you. Um, the 11th of October, which this should be released on. So if you're listening to this on daily release, it's my birthday. Um, and I decided we were going to do a movie released in the year of my birth, which is 1976. So I picked this because I didn't want to do the big ones like Rocky and The Omen and Carrie. I wanted to do something 
So out of left field. And I think this is perfect for that. <laughs> so apparently this is a very sorry. Oh, you would have had your pick of Jodie Foster movies. Yeah. I've actually never seen Taxi Driver. I saw it once. She did do three movies that, that year, which is amazing. Right. So, I'll get into my first problem. And my first problem, Jen, is this. Bugsy Malone is certainly not as advertised in his title song. He's useless and a bit of a dick. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Because the... The first song is very whimsical, and it's like, what a funny guy. And mm. and what's funny to me is that um, the woman who played Blousey, like, at some point she said that she did not like him. And yeah. uh, I think it's funny to think that he was unlikable. To Like, I saw that, like, a lot of the girls had crushes on him, and he made out with Jodie Foster or whatever. But, like, mm-hmm. that he was unlikable then, because right now I personally find him very unlikable in the present day. Yeah. So it's interesting to hear that uh, he's been unlikable for a long time. Although I'm sure she wasn't talking about his politics. Yeah. Well, like, we're not going to talk politics, but... <laughs> But, um, yeah, I, too, am not a fan of current Scott Bale, right? Mm -hmm. But my judgment on the character of Bugsy Malone has nothing to do with that. No, I know, I know. Because, yeah, because I have never liked the character of Bugsy Malone in his own movie. I do think if, and I think Scott Bale's good in it. Like, I'm not Mm -hmm. saying anything against Scott Bale, but I think that if he was a little more of a charmer, Mm -hmm. it would have worked better for the movie. Yeah, because he's supposed to be a charmer. Mm-hmm. Everybody's supposed to love him. Everybody loves that man, Bugsy Malone, as the title, as the you know the song. Um, but the but yeah, I just don't get that. I don't get that from him. I mean, he's he's not terrible. Mm-hmm. He, I just don't think he's. I just don't think he's charming enough. Well, he, he he's all right. But. It's kind of like, and I know I talked about this in the Carrie Two episode that like Chloe Grace Moretz is good in Carrie. The Carrie remake, but I think she's a bad Carrie because she's not quite the type for it. And this is right. this is kind of the same thing, which I don't think this kind of thing often. That's why I go straight to that example. But that, like, while he's good, I just think you need a more charming, uh, likable kid. Yes. Yeah. And the only reason they picked him was because he uh, was a dick. For a hissy fit. Yeah, <laughs> but it's which is what Bugsy's not supposed to be. But it's so funny because I, you know, I read that he was trying to quit acting and he did this movie. Like, I guess he just had free time one day and went to the audition. But like, mm. he w- didn't give a shit. And it's so funny to me because I wonder, like, is this movie the reason that he, you know, ended up becoming Chachi, like, and Charles in charge and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Like, did this, did this reignite his, like, interest in acting? Um, I'm really curious because uh, as much as I read quotes from him about him not wanting to act at this point, I don't know, like, nothing said whether or not this is what got him interested in it again. Because um, he has yeah. had multiple iconic roles. I mean, I don't know that everybody would consider blah, blah, blah uh, an iconic role. But, you know, that character in Arrested Development was like the whole thing was funny. So um, and then, you know, obviously Chachi on Happy Days and then uh, yeah. Charles in Charge. Nothing against his acting career. Yeah. You know, I mean, he 
and he's an actor who did his job. Well, and if um, I remember correctly, he was very charming on Charles in Charge. Mm-hmm. He's just not as charming as I would like in this movie. Yeah, I don't think he. I, I, don't, I don't think he's the right fit. Uh, if Dexter Fletcher was a little bit older, he could have played mm-hmm. um, Bugsy instead of uh, Babyface. Yeah, I just don't like Bugsy really as a cat. I mean, he locks a woman in a phone booth and runs away, um, not paying a bill. Um, that's supposed to be charming. Uh, you know, it's just a bit dickish. And he is completely useless. He gets mm-hmm. his ass handed to him. Um, he's not, I mean, he can drive a car. Woo. <laughs> if Knuckles learned how to drive a car, then he wouldn't have been needed anyway. Bugsy would not have been needed because Knuckles could have done it. And maybe Knuckles would still be alive. Yeah. Um, so what's your first problem then? My first problem is a problem the director had with the movie in retrospect, mm-hmm. and it is the fact that the singing voices are adult voices and not kids' yeah. voices. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, That's also my second problem. It's very distracting. And it also, I was, I had a problem with the fact that the kids were not always great at the lip syncing. Yeah. Um, But I also, it wasn't until I was reading about it that I realized I should forgive them a little for that, because it is kids, and there are restrictions on how many hours they can work. So they probably can't do too many takes of the singing. And so I realized I should forgive them a little for that because it was going to be hard to get it perfect. Mm -hmm. Um, But the adult voices were just really distracting, especially since they didn't even try to match them with the kids. Yeah. Well, the thing is, they were extremely rushed. Mm -hmm. Paul Williams didn't have a lot of time to get the songs written um, and... Uh, performed and when he sent them the tapes he was under the impression that the kids were going to learn the songs mm-hmm. and then sing them but they didn't they had to sing along with the already pre-recorded stuff uh, well mime along to it and it just didn't work but well, they were the, rushed so the music is good but I also wonder like I mean I think it could have worked just as well not being a musical oh I love the songs though uh, yeah, I I'm mean, just. I, I love Paul Williams. This era of Paul Williams. I'm just saying that was that was the most distracting part for yeah, me. Yeah, 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 yeah. I get you. I, I get you. If you don't know what you're getting into, yeah, it can be quite sort of jarring. But, um, but the songs. I mean, Paul Williams wrote the songs to the Muppet movie. He, he wrote Rainbow Connection, so he's getting some leeway from me because he's <laughs> a damn good songwriter. And there's some really good songs in this movie. Yeah. Um. But, and he also wrote Evergreen for Barbara Streisand, and that won an Oscar. So he he's a good writer of songs, but it is very rushed, and you can tell because the kids aren't great at miming to these songs that they've probably only heard once before, mm-hmm. maybe twice before, and it is quite jarring. Um. So that is also my problem, but. I also have a problem with the like the physical soundtrack of the song. Like if you buy it in CD or listen to it in Spotify, mm-hmm. because the last song you give a little love, which I adore, on the actual soundtrack it's just Paul Williams singing it. Mm-hmm. It's it doesn't have the female part in it that um, uh, Blousey's part. He sings that as well, so it's not really the same. Uh, that's annoyed me for years. They do look awkward, the kids. Mm -hmm. What was your second problem? That. That was your second problem? Yes. 
Okay. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. Yes. So what is your second problem? Um, the dancers, because I'm watching it and, you know, the, the first shot of the dancers on stage is from kind of far away. And I'm like, look at those legs. Then I realize those are children. Mm-hmm. It was just a little too, uh, like their outfits were just a little too sexy for me. Um, maybe if the girls like it, cause it looked like maybe those girls were like older than a lot of the other cast. Uh, yeah, they, maybe, I think they were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe if they'd had younger girls without, um, like with maybe like chunkier legs or something. I don't know. There was something about the, the way they were dressed along with like the long legs that I just didn't, I didn't like because it looked too, especially cause you know, there were so many shots from far away mm-hmm. that they looked like adults Mm-hmm. And it just made me feel like there are some people who probably could have had icky feelings watching it. Yeah, I understand that. Because I think those girls are about 14. I, I do think they, they cast older girls mm-hmm. for those, for the dancing scenes and for those outfits. Um, and, and like the problems that Common Sense Media had with it, I don't have those problems. Like, you know, when Blousey says she's trying to watch her figure, it's really she's giving an excuse for why she doesn't eat. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, like, I don't I don't necessarily think everyone's over sexualized, especially like if you consider the time, like if you consider it's the 70s and you consider like taxi driver. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, maybe maybe today it would be. I don't know. But it it didn't it wasn't that bad to me. But the dancers definitely uh, made me uncomfortable. And I know they want to have the costumes of the time. Yeah. But I feel like uh, they could have they could have done something different. Longer Instead of short shorts, maybe longer skirts. I don't know. Yeah, no, um, I get that. I get that. But I think their thinking is, and I, I, I agree with you 100%, but I think their thinking was the movies of the 50s or the you know 40s or whatever where they're homaging, mm-hmm. um, the gangster movies, none of them were particularly sexual anyway. Yeah. So because that was a different time. Um, 60s and 70s is really when, you know, uh, sex just sort of burst into movies. Mm -hmm. So those earlier gangster movies weren't really sexual. So I think they just sort of figured that that would have been safe. But, you know, it's still underage girls wearing, you know, skimpy outfits. So, well, just the legs. You can see the legs and their thighs. Yeah, but that's, I mean, I know that they're all young, but, like, that's around the age where, like, you need to be careful because kids, girls are maturing at a rate that maybe you don't want to have them wearing those short shorts on screen. Mm -hmm. What's your third problem? My third problem is, um, as much as I love the song, uh, So You Want to Be a Boxer, Mm-hmm. Uh, the whole Leroy Smith plot appears far too late and slows the movie down and he doesn't really need to be there at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I used to love Leroy when I was a kid, but watching it now, it's like, why are you here? What You save his life, but then why are you still here? You don't mm-hmm. need to be in this movie at all. Sorry, but you do nothing for Yeah, it, I mean, it fills out the movie because the movie's only an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's... Most of the movies I've seen that are less than an hour and a half are not good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, maybe they just needed as filler. I don't know. But yeah, it felt out of place. But I will say one thing I was impressed about with this movie. I mean, the leads are all um, white, but 
there were a lot more black people in it than I would have expected, especially because it isn't until really recently that when people make movies that take place in a certain era, that they're willing to go against what would be realistic. Mm-hmm. Um, cause like most people making this movie, it would just be like, well, all these people would be white. You wouldn't have black people around. So mm-hmm. like maybe the janitor, um, but they do, they do have multiple black characters, even if they aren't huge. Um, I, th- I think I just wanted to mention that because, um, that's a little different from what you would have gotten around this time. No, it is absolutely is, but there's still something to be said that the character, the, the people of color, children of color in this movie, their characters are still not, I mean, Leroy can't read. Um, he's 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 shown to be um, a tad not very smart, um, and then you've got Fizzy, who's the janitor, and you've got the piano player who doesn't say anything because he sings in uh, Paul Williams's voice, and that girl who dances, the girl who dances. Um, you know that the the guy who play I can't Razmataz I think is the character's name who does the piano. Mm-hmm. Um, that that actor's name is Michael Jackson. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah. Uh, and then you've got the Asian, um, Dandy Dan's Asian uh, gentleman who just screams when he runs into the room and put, shoves people up against the wall. Um, so representation isn't great, but it's still better than what you could expect from 1976. There were still more people of color in this movie than there were for the entirety of Friends. <laughs> yeah. I might be off by a couple, but if you consider this is an hour and a half long movie and Friends was 10 years, mm. it's pretty damn close. Um, if I'm yeah. forgetting any black people on uh, Friends, it's because they only had one line. Yeah. Um, Aisha Taylor was a recurring, sorry, recurring character for like half a season or something. Mm-hmm. Her but it and, was like in season nine and people don't remember those later ones. Um, I, and I love <coughs> her on it. And, mm-hmm. uh, but Gabrielle Union was also on it and she, they both were a similar character where it's Joey and Ross fighting over a girl. Yeah. Um, and then I remember there was one time where Joey was working at the museum and there were a couple black characters in that one. And then other than that, I'm pretty sure any black people that had lines, it was like maybe one line in the coffee shop or something like that. It wasn't, yeah. um, it wasn't Seinfeld. You saw more people of color than you did on Friends, even though they didn't have a ton of lines either. Um, you at least saw more in the background and stuff or having one or two lines. Um, but my biggest disappointment was just that we never got to see Fizzy tap dance. I know that. Yeah. I never really, I never realized that when I was a kid, but watching it now, I'm like, yeah, it dawned on me. He doesn't dance. When he gets the shoes out, I kept expecting him to put them on and dance. Like I wanted to see this kid dance and I was so disappointed. Yeah. The girl dances. And he just like does a he yeah, does I thought a he danced with her. and that he just yeah he doesn't it's just very strange. I didn't understand what the point of her was. Um, to be another person of color. <laughs> I just like she's dancing, but I'm just like, what is her? What what's like? Give her a few more lines or something. Give me give me something else to work with here. That's that. 
But again, though, those movies of the 50s or 40s or whatever, the gangster mm. movies wouldn't have as many people of colour. Yeah. So at least this movie was sort of semi-progressive in that way, mm-hmm. but it would have been better if, like, even if even if Dandy Dan was a black kid, that would have been better. Even if he was the quote-unquote villain. I mean, Fat Sam's a villain as well. There's two villains in this movie. You're just supposed to like Fat Sam more. Mm-hmm. But he's still a bastard. Yeah. That was your third problem, wasn't it? No, that was your third problem. Was it? Yeah. So it was. What's your third <laughs> problem? <laughs> I, and I understand this is a kid's movie. Although, honestly, like, watching it, it is hard to tell sometimes if it's a kid's movie. or Like, it really feels like it's, if anything, more for general audiences. Mm. Um, it doesn't feel like a kid's movie to me, except for the, um, like, the pies and faces and stuff, you mm-hmm. know? Um and even that, it just feels more like with the guns and stuff that they just probably couldn't get away with having kids shoot real gun, realistic guns. Yeah, um, it didn't. It's feel very that, clever. It didn't necessarily feel something to me that was like aiming aimed at children. It seemed mm-hmm. more like getting around something. Um, but anyway, I know that this was something that for you know somewhat for kids, but the ending really pissed me off. Right. Okay. <laughs> I, I was going to mention the ending. I didn't know if you were going to. Habit is one of your problems, mm-hmm. but yeah, they they all die, and mm-hmm. uh, Bugs and Blouse is the only two who live. That's basically my interpretation of the ending. Um, but yeah, what, just the, the ending is so ending? happy, and I don't know, I didn't like it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I like the optimism. Yeah, right, and I love the song. I love the song so much, but. It doesn't make sense, and with what the f- movie has given us so far. Yeah, it felt out of place. Um, yeah, because everyone dies um, mm-hmm. who's been hit by the cream so far, and then this happens and they're, they're all alive. It doesn't make any sense. And my bonus problem is that um, at the beginning when they shoot the guns... Um, I wasn't... Because it's not bullets, it's like whipped cream or whatever... Mm. Um, I, it, it was a while before I was sure that that's actually killing people. Yeah. And I didn't like being unclear about what that was actually doing, especially well, they, when they introduced just pies. Well, they do say pretty early on that the, the person's dead. Yeah, but it, it's just it's when it first happens, there's a lot of confusion for me. Yeah, I get you. I get you. But I do think, I mean, with the guy who dies at the beginning... The guy with the, the kid with the glasses. Mm-hmm. They, they do say that he's dead. Yeah. So, but you don't really know that he died by the cream. They could have like put a bullet in his head after that. <laughs> it's just like the movie itself is pretty straightforward, honestly. Mm-hmm. Like as a gangster movie for kids. But then it it the entire time the like pies and the whipped cream and stuff were just kind of taking away from that. And I do understand that that's how you get a G rating or whatever. Yeah. Um, but it was still, it, it was weird to me having this like very silly thing in the middle of this pretty straightforward gangster movie. <laughs> yeah, I get you. I get you. But I do think that that's, um, see, I think that, I think that, the splurge guns and stuff were quite clever. I mean, it's, you know, I appreciate now that it's clever, but when I was yeah. watching it, it was just, it it was just a little off. Maybe, maybe it would okay. be better for me if they hadn't had the pies. 
Yeah, the pies don't make any sense. That the really, pies don't make any sense. Because the guns are supposed to be guns, right? Like, no matter what they shoot, yes. they're supposed to be guns. What are the pies supposed to be? Knives. <laughs> Knives to the face. Like, ugh. I guess yeah. I could watch it again with that idea. Well, the, yeah, the, the, the pies don't make any sense, but the point is that the guns are overtaking the pies, and the guns are brand new. Yeah. And I don't even think anyone really knows what guns are in this mm-hmm. universe until yeah. the Splurge guns appear. Yeah. Which is actually quite, you know, a cute idea. It's like, the deadliest thing in this world is pies. Yeah, well, <laughs> and, and it is cute, like, except it... I, once again, it was a while before I realized that guns were new to the universe. Yeah, so no, no. there were just a few things that I was just a little confused about for a few minutes, you know. And it's, I get you. That's you tough. were watching it for the first time. Yeah, 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 yeah. I get you. Yeah. What was your positive? My positive. Well, right. So I just want to continue on with what we're saying there oh, before okay. I get my positive. Um, yeah, what I said earlier. I think they're all dead. Yeah. Initially, they are. I, initially I thought. Um, they all die, and Bugsy and Blouser are the only two going to heaven. But they're <laughs> not covered in cream. They hmm. come out, and they are not covered in cream, and they drive away. So they drive away, and all those people in that place are dead. I wasn't That's, even thinking of it that way. Yeah. So they, I mean, if they were covered in cream, I'd, be, I'd call bullshit. But they're not. They're nice and clean. Mm-hmm. So they, they survived. Um, and all the rest are dead. So they're just buggering off to Hollywood and leaving everyone <laughs> to, just, to just rot in there. That changes things for me a little, I think, <laughs> as far as the ending goes. Maybe they're all getting along together in heaven or something. Maybe, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so they're all going to heaven and um, the, those two survive. That's what I think. So, uh, yeah, that's what I think. They're, they're in heaven, they're all happy. It's either that or... The rest of the movie means nothing because mm-hmm. the, the uh, cream pies and the guns and everything don't matter anymore. They don't kill you. Everyone's immune. And that's bullshit. So yeah. they're all dead. All right. <laughs> right. <laughs> so my positive is that I really do like how creative this movie is. Mm-hmm. I'm not allowed to say the movie, so I just want to say that I think the movie's really creative. I love the sets and the cars. I love the cars or pedal cars. Because they're children. That is so cool. I wanted one of those cars when I was a kid. Um, and, uh, yeah, I even like the guns. I just, I love all of it. So, yeah. Uh, it's the, my positive is the movie without me saying the movie. I'm just saying the movie's creative. My my positive is very similar. It's just kind of the idea. Like I think yeah. it's such an interesting idea and it's it's very rare that you see a movie where you think only one person could have this idea. You know? <laughs> like, you know, and I read the director like he would tell his his kids the story about a a gangster mm-hmm. um who was a kid. And that's how he kind of came up with the idea. And it's like, I really, I don't think, I don't know that there's anyone else in the world that would have thought a gangster movie with children, you know? Um, And so I think that's the idea is so interesting. And once again, it's like, not only is it, I think an idea only that guy could have had, but he had it at the right time because that would not be made today. 
And if it yeah. was, it would be real silly and slapsticky. And it would like watching this. It doesn't feel to me like a movie that's made for kids. It feels like it's made for general audiences. But if this were made, t- something like this were made today, it would be made. It would be obviously for little kids. And also, this is our first live action uh, musical that we've covered. Because mm-hmm. uh, we covered Beauty and the Beast in the Cave Birds movie mm-hmm. and their musicals, but animated. Um, but yeah, I just think it's a really creative, it's a fun idea. It's well executed. Um, and yeah, I just think it's great. <laughs> no, the sets and the costumes are fantastic. Like, yeah, yeah. This is a very well produced film, and the kids, considering it's a cast full of kids, they're mm. very good. Um, mm. There aren't very many that felt bad, and some of them are overacting a little, but that works for a gangster movie. Yeah. Um, whether you're a child or an adult. So yeah. it's just really impressive how how good and like I said, Scott Bayo, I wish he was a little more charming, but he did he did a good job. Um yeah. and it must be hard for a child to carry a movie like that. Um, Absolutely. So I just don't think the character was particularly well written and he wasn't he wasn't the hero that the song made them out to be. The song's yeah. played twice, by the way. But anyway. And a lot of the kids not a lot, but like say half the kids are actually British, mm-hmm. putting on American accents, and so that makes it more impressive. Yeah, because I didn't realize that while I was watching it, and a lot of times I can notice, like even when adults are doing <laughs> American accents. Yeah. Um. So and on and after what I read about it and reading about how there's no region one DVD. And that it just wasn't very big here. I'm impressed I found it anywhere. I did have to pay to rent it. It wasn't on any of the services um, for quote unquote free. I mean, I still have to pay for the services. Sometimes I get sick of people saying, well, this movie isn't free when really what they mean is I pay for Netflix and it's not there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did have to pay for it. But I'm just, you know, luckily it was just available to me. Um, I didn't, I, I had heard of it before, but I didn't realize how not popular it was here and it seems like the kind of movie that i mean it really should be a cult movie like it should be a movie that found a cult audience because it's weird i mean it is here um there's a stage play of it but i mean i mean in america no i know you know know. like if this had been made (laughs) if it had been made (laughs) well no but if it had been made in the 80s or something i think it would be i I think Uh, yeah i agree with you it's it's like heathers like how heathers didn't do well and then it became this cult classic. Same thing with, like, when I saw Jennifer's Body, like, it did really badly. And I was like, in 10 years, this is going to be a cult classic. And then it was. Um, And this movie, yeah. I think if it had come out in the 80s or something, um, or or was just more widely available in home video in the States, that it would be a cult classic here. Um, yeah. And it's just disappointing because the idea of it, like, I can just... I'm pretty sure if I told people about this movie, they would be really interested in watching it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like somehow this isn't a known thing in the states, you know. And I'm I'm glad it has an audience somewhere. Yeah. Before we go, I just want to say that in 2003, this movie was voted number 19 on a list of 100 greatest musicals, as chosen by viewers of Channel Four in the UK. So yeah, this movie's popular over here. <laughs> yeah, it's um, 
It's so funny sometimes to learn about like what is popular where. It's like when I found out uh, how long uh, Mr. Brightside was number one on the charts in the UK. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was like, what the hell? Because the killers, the killers are known here and they do well. Like they do, you know, big stadium tours. But when it comes to the UK, it's insane for them. They are much bigger stars than they are here. And I didn't know that yeah. for a really long time. This movie also got, you know, it had eight nominations uh, for the the BAFTAs, mm-hmm. the Better BAFTAs Awards, won Best Supporting Actress, Most Promising Newcomer to Leading Film Roles for Jodie Foster, um, and Best Screenplay. Uh, and the film also received three nominations on the Golden Globes, including Best Motion Picture Musical Comedy. So, you know, some recognition there for Bugsy Malone. And it's a shame that it's not better known in are a part of the world. Yeah. But I'm glad you got to see it, Jen. I'm glad I showed this movie to you. <laughs> yeah, it's well, and the funny thing is, like, you know, tonight I'm going to go to the bar mm-hmm. and, you know, people will ask you, like, what did you do today or whatever? And I'm actually, I'm really looking forward to telling some people <laughs> I know <laughs> about this movie because um, I know it's going to, I know it's going to come up later. And um, especially because, like, you know, some of them know about the podcast, and so they'll ask me, like, uh-huh. oh, what'd you watch? Um, and I don't know if any of them have ever listened, but uh, probably not. <laughs> I, I occasionally I get excited about talking about something. I got like that with Crocodile Dundee because I didn't expect to like it as much as I did, mm-hmm. um, and definitely this because I'm just like, I can. I can tell someone about this weird ass movie that they've probably never heard of, and how often yeah. do you get to do that? Well, I'm I'm glad that the movie's given you that, and I'm glad you didn't hate it as well. Because no, I don't know what I would have done if you hated it. Because I love it. <laughs> I, I I did enjoy watching it. And yeah, it was it was a delightful little movie. It just there were a couple points where I was just kind of like, "What is happening right now?" Yeah, yeah. It's, no, I'm with you 100. Yeah. Well, and that's the problem with entering a fictional world where things are just slightly different, mm-hmm. um, like the gun thing or whatever. Because it's just like I don't I don't know what i'm supposed to be doing with this yeah yeah no that's brilliant so next next week we're going to do horror movies because you're picking one and then i'm picking one so what is your pick for next week jen uh this was a tough one um because mm-hmm. it's halloween mm-hmm. um and i couldn't pick a halloween movie mm-hmm. uh so i'm going with scream three Oh, <laughs> oh Jen! <laughs> I was trying to decide between two and three. I used to like you, Jen. <laughs> I mean, look. Uh, once okay, again, that... I'll say. Once again, I'll say you should be nice to me because I still haven't suggested there's something about Mary. I could always try to do. There's. I know about you Mary. could. I know you could. I'll, I'll just veto it, but. I could veto Scream Free, but I'm not going to. That's fair enough. That's all right. You've picked it. We'll go for it. That's fine. <laughs> okay. I fucking despise that movie. But hey, we'll go into it. We'll talk about it. I love it. Oh, you love Scream Free? I do. I love all the screams. Oh, we need to get into that. That's some weird... You, there's something wrong with I'm you. A, I'm a Scream <laughs> stan. I, in fact, I'm currently incredibly pissed that mm-hmm. we have not seen a Scream 5 trailer because it comes out in January. I'm going to assume there's going to be one before Halloween Kills. Um, yeah. There has to be one in October, right? 
It has to be. Like that has to be something that happens. And it also drives me crazy that they've been done filming for almost a year. Why couldn't we get it sooner? Like, mm. why couldn't it be coming out in October? I don't, because mm. I want to know what this movie is because they say it's like a reboot, but it also has all the old characters. So mm. whatever. I mean, this is a conversation for next week, but I just, I'm, I am just saying I'm a massive Scream fan. No, but you all see, screams. I understand that. But I love the Scream movies. Mm-hmm. I just don't love the third one. Oh, I, I'm going to have plenty <laughs> of problems. But I still I enjoy watching. I, I still, I like, I never skip it. it. Yeah. Like, at this no, point, if I watch some Scream movies, I'm watching all four. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm only watching one and two. And maybe four. Because four <laughs> is a lot of fun. Yeah. But uh, it's not my go-to. Because mm-hmm. um, I love Scream 1 and 2. I really love the second one, actually. As well. Uh, but yeah, I, we'll talk about it next yeah. week. Um, It'll be a long okay. one too, by the way. Yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> I can just tell you, I, I have a lot to say about screen. No, that's okay, that's fine. Uh, we'll discuss it next week. Okay. Um, oh, wait, I don't even have it. I don't own screen. I, I own all the other screen movies <laughs> in Blu-ray, but not screen free. I didn't buy it. Um, all right, fair enough. Well, I'll work it out. It must be streaming somewhere. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, that's all we have time for. If you'd like to follow the podcast, it's at Drop the Pilot. If you want to follow the podcast, it's at Drop the Pilot Pod on Twitter. Shiftedbench.co.uk is the website. Contact at Shiftedbench.co.uk is the email address. Where can people follow you online, Jen? Uh, at Pilot Inspectors on Twitter. And I'll just stop talking about the Party of Five podcast because we haven't recorded it in so long. <laughs> Okay, fair enough. Um, Thank you all for listening, and we'll speak to you all next time. Goodbye. Goodbye.